I came that close to dancing. <laughs> Go ahead and have a seat. Lord Jesus, as we hear the music from around the world and the sounds from around the world, we ask that you would help us to be world Christians. Lord, we pray that you would use what you say to us in Scripture this morning to help us understand your heart for this world and to have the same. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have just recently acquired a, a new addiction. It's called Google Earth. Some of you know what it is, right? You can see satellite pictures of the entire planet. You can type in your address and see a satellite picture of your house. You can zoom way in and see the markings on the street. You can zoom out and see the neighborhood or the city or even the whole planet. And I, I am addicted to this thing. I cannot stop looking at it, especially when I'm supposed to be writing a sermon. So I'm going to ask your help, I'm going to ask your prayers, because I've become a mapaholic. <laughs> Deep trouble. Now my excuse is that God is one too, in a way. Because he has a fixation with this world that he can just not get over. Because he loves us so much. We've been talking about the kingdom of God this fall. How does up there come down here in me, my church, and my world? And we said that the kingdom of God has three R's. Reconciliation, restoration, and rejoicing. That's what's going on whenever God's in charge. And last week we talked about when the kingdom of God comes to a church, folks start to love each other in such radical ways that their love just starts to spill out the church doors into the world out there. And that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants to build his kingdom in this world, through us, wherever we are, through acts of service that show the real Jesus. Now, that's a very long sentence, very Presbyterian sentence. You can tell I went to seminary. So, I want to break it down and take it phrase by phrase. Jesus wants to build his kingdom in this world. Sometimes I think when we hear the phrase kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, our first thought is, well, that's for when I die and my soul floats up to heaven and I play harps all day long, right? which sounds really awful to me. So, I mean, thank God heaven's not that way, and I'm going to talk about that in a few weeks. And the kingdom of God isn't that way either. It's true that we won't fully experience God's kingdom until Jesus returns, but Jesus also said to us that the kingdom can be experienced right here, right now. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God is among you. That's why he teaches us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says it's like a, a wheat field where weeds and wheat exist side by side in the same field. And the weeds are the, uh, the, weeds are the kingdom of this world and the wheat is the kingdom of God. And they exist side by side. But what Jesus says is that the, the wheat is going to outgrow and overtake the weeds. Jesus wants to build his kingdom in this world. Second, Jesus wants to build his kingdom in this world through us, his people, the church. Now, I don't know why he wants to do it that way. It seems like he's hired the wrong people for the job, but that's his vision. To work side by side with us in bringing his kingdom in this world. I think in part so that we can get to know him better. And experience his power more by working alongside of him. 
Jesus wants to build his kingdom in this world through us. And next, wherever he has placed us. And this is important. Because I think sometimes you hear these sermons on the kingdom of God and you think, oh, great. Now I've got a pencil in the kingdom of God for Tuesday. Just great, you know. Where am I going to have time to do that? Listen, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go to Africa to build the kingdom of God. Although God has called some of us to do that. And you don't have to be a pastor to build the kingdom of God. In fact, that might be one of the worst ways to build the kingdom of God. You spend all day with Christians. Not that that's a bad thing. Just hard to get out there. You do not even have to add one minute to your already busy schedule. God can use you wherever you are every day of the week. In your office, your school, your home, your neighborhood. God can use you. In the story we read out of Acts, Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you look those places up on Google Earth, which I have you would discover that those were concentric geographic rings. And it's really cool, by the way. You should go look it up when you get home. So in our terms, if Jesus were talking to us today, he'd probably say something like this. You will be my witnesses in your home, in your neighborhood, in your office, on the east side, in King County, and in the world. But the most effective place is probably where God has put you in your everyday life. Several years ago, I told you a story about how after high school, I decided that I wanted to be an avant-garde atheist intellectual. I had no idea what that meant. I, had, I thought it had something to do with wearing black turtlenecks and being depressed all the time, and for some reason that sounded good, so I did it. And I got a job working as a file clerk at an insurance company, because that's the only kind of job you can get when you're an avant-garde atheist intellectual. And I worked with a woman named Margie who was a Christian. And I used to make fun of her for being a Christian because at the time I wasn't one. Well, one day I scalded my arm on a coffee pot, got a third-degree burn, this terrible open sore, but being 19 years old and male, I went to work anyway because I didn't know what else to do. Well, at break time, I saw Margie just tear off down the street, came back a few minutes later with this bag of bandages and creams that she'd bought at the drugstore for me. And she started to put this stuff on my arm and to heal it, and as she was doing it, she said, you know, I know you think that Christians are narrow-minded and stupid. You've made that much clear. (laughs) But I think you should know that there's a God out there who cares about you. Now, I didn't fall down on my knees right there and beg to be baptized, but it got me thinking. And it started a process where I started looking into Christianity, and a year later, I ended up becoming a Christian. Now, to this day, Margie has no idea that I became a Christian, let alone a pastor. But because Jesus was living inside her and she followed his nudging, she saw a very simple opportunity to build God's kingdom through serving me. I doubt she would even remember it if I were to see her today and remind her. She did it right where God had placed her, 9 to 5 every day. She didn't have to sign up for anything. She didn't have to volunteer for anything. She didn't have to add anything to her busy schedule. God used her right where she was at. All week long, all 3,000 of us are scattered across the east side. And to me, that is like 3,000 antibodies in a diseased culture. And you are there, you are there to make it well, to make it whole, to make it better, right where God has placed you in your 9 to 5 life. And the way we do that is the same way that Margie did it with me, through serving. 
Jesus wants to build his kingdom in this world through us, wherever we are, through acts of service that show the real Jesus. And this is where Jesus' vision gets very radical and very counterculture and very different. He says his kingdom is not going to come because Christians seize power in every country. It's not going to happen because Christians perfect their arguments so that they can defeat their opponents in a debate. It's going to happen because Christians follow our leader and take the role of a servant and serve the world just as he did. I love the story that we read out of the book of Acts. Jesus has just been raised from the dead and the disciples asked this great question. They say, now are you going to build your kingdom, Lord? And what they're really saying is, wow, this resurrection stuff is really cool. Not only can you walk on water, but you can't be killed. This is a distinct military advantage, Jesus. I think we need to take a hold of it. So let's go kick some Roman backsides and take over the world. What do you say, Jesus? Let's rumble. And Jesus says, oh, man, that's the actual Greek. Oh, man, you still don't get it. It's not by power or force. It's not by arguing with someone until they convert. He says, you'll be my witnesses. That's how we're going to get this thing done. You're going to be my witnesses, not my generals. And the best way to be a witness is the way Jesus did it. He served, even willing to die for the whole world. And because he did that, his message spread across the whole world. He conquered us by serving us. In the other story, we read about two of my favorite disciples. They're named James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which means sons of thunder. Isn't that a great last name? Hello, my name is James, son of thunder. What's yours? Very macho. I I doubt anyone bothered them on the playground, right? Don't mess with the sons of thunder. And they say this great thing. It is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Ever say that to God? Here's what I'd like, Lord. Why don't you do it? And then they go on. They say, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left. In other words, hey, when you kick out the Romans and set up your throne, can we be the vice messiahs? I mean, you can be messiah and all if that's what you like, but we want to be your vice messiahs. It's about power, right? And in another place, these same two disciples get mad because the town they were in didn't welcome them. And so they say to Jesus, this is a direct quote. They say, Jesus, would you like us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Is this an option? Can we do that? And Jesus says, not so much, no. James and John, sons of thunder, think if they just thunder loud enough, if they just get enough power, if they just argue and yell, they will usher in the kingdom of God. But Jesus says that's not how it's going to work. We're going to serve people, and that's how we're going to build the kingdom. I'm sure they were a little disappointed when they heard that. Our church is currently working with some African-American churches in central Seattle to help relocate two families who lost everything in Hurricane Katrina. One of the churches there owns a house, which would be perfect for one of the families. The problem is the house is really run down. It's a mess. It's got rats. No one's living there. It needs a lot of work. So we've offered to help give that house a divine makeover. And if you want to be part of that, just stop at the Get Connected booth after the service. Well, last week, our youth went down there to work on the yard. And uh, Greg, our interim high school director, said it was just a ton of fun. He said at one point there was this cinder block wall that had to be taken down. And so all the sophomore guys lined up and took a sledgehammer and just hammered the wall until it fell down. I've been a sophomore guy. 
That is sophomore guy heaven. I mean, I get to break something for Jesus? Cool. Church is fun, right? And as they were doing this, the pastor of the church that owns, of the, uh, that owns the house was sitting on the steps crying because he was so happy that there were people there to help. And for this family, what a great way to show them who Jesus is. And I love the fact that it's a lot of churches that are doing this together because then who gets the credit? Jesus. We're also working with another family from New Orleans. And during the hurricane, the mother got separated from her four kids. She ended up in the Superdome, took her weeks to get her kids back. When she did, they came up here to start over. But they need some help getting back on their feet again. So a couple from our church offered to rent an apartment for them for a year. This is a couple who's been looking for ways to live out our Jubilee vision, you know, acts of service that show our community the real Jesus, and they took this opportunity. Well, last week we brought this family from New Orleans and this couple together. And as they talked, the the couple from our church said, you know what, they're a family of seven. An apartment is going to be too small. We will rent them a house for the year. And while this whole discussion was going on, the little four-year-old boy who was part of the family from New Orleans who'd survived the hurricane got down off his mother's lap, crawled underneath the table to the other side, then crawled up into the lap of the wife from this couple and reached out and put his arms around her neck and just hung on. I think that's the kingdom of God. There was rejoicing. It had to feel great for that woman when that little boy hugged her. There was restoration of this family and their future, and there was reconciliation. You know, there's been a lot in the news lately about race divisions in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. And in that moment, there were no race divisions because there are no divisions in the kingdom of God. And best of all, it was all done in the name of Jesus so that this family can know that the God, know the God who created them, who loved them, who came in the flesh to find them, died on a cross to redeem them, and wants a close personal relationship with them so that they can become everything he created them to be. And that's God's vision, that we would participate with him in building his kingdom so we can know the joy of working alongside of him. And you don't have to rent a house for someone to do it. You don't even have to add something to your busy schedule. Like Margie, we just need to ask the question, Lord, how do you want to use me right where you've put me in my everyday life? So that up there comes down here. Not just in heaven someday in the sweet by and by, but right here, right now, on earth as it is in heaven. And yes, it won't be fully done until Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, he wants as many people as possible to know the joy and the reconciliation and the redemption and the restoration and the rejoicing that comes only through Jesus. And Jesus says right here, right now, let's build my kingdom as much as we can. Let's get as many people as we can. Let's restore every marriage that we can. Let's give every person we can a sense of significance and joy in life. Let's give every person we can the tools they need, not just to survive, but to thrive. And let's get to every country that we can, Sudan, Russia, Cambodia, everywhere we can, let's help every person we can know the reconciliation, restoration, and rejoicing that comes through Jesus. To me, the kingdom of God is a little bit like this picture up here. It's an optical illusion. If you look at it one way, all you see are a bunch of sort of chaotic lines. But if you focus your eyes in the right place, toward the top, what you'll see is the face of Jesus. Some of you see it? Some of you are nodding your head. Eyes, eyes, 
nose, mouth, beard, head. Yeah? Okay, some of you are nodding your head. So, okay, more of you are nodding your head, right? Eyes, eyes, nose, mouth, beard. Okay, there you go. Some of you are still looking. We'll pray for you. That's okay. <laughs> it's there. Trust me. To me, that's what the kingdom of God is like in our offices, our homes, our neighborhood, in the world. It depends on what you're looking for. You can go into the office and see a bunch of cubicles, just chaotic lines everywhere, or you can see a mission field where every person, every decision, every chat around the water cooler is either claimed by the righteous, redemptive, making whole reign of God, or claimed by the powers of this world. And you can go into your home and you can see a bunch of people you live with, or you can see a mission field where every conversation, every dinner, every evening is either claimed by the righteous, redemptive, making whole reign of God, or claimed by the powers of this world. And you can go to the store and see shoppers and clerks, or you can see a mission field where every interaction, every person, every event is either claimed by God or counterclaimed by this world. We can look at our world and see nothing but a bunch of chaotic lines, or we can listen to the Spirit of Jesus inside us, allow Him to give us His eyes and see what He sees through prayer and through Scripture, and what we'll see is that Jesus is there, maybe a little bit hidden, but there, wanting to build His kingdom, in your office, your home, your neighborhood, King County, all around this world. And he doesn't want to do it alone. He wants to do it with you, and he wants to do it with me, and he wants to do it with this church. Until inch by inch, foot by foot, block by block, mile by mile, minute by minute, hour by hour, marriage by marriage, person by person, city by city, we take back what the enemy stole from our God, his world and his people. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in my home, in my office, in my school, in my city, in my country, in my world, on earth, as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, we know that that is what you want, and it's what we want as well. So teach us to be kingdom people. Teach us to pray and to look and to work to make up there, come down here in us, in our church and in our world, and we'll give you the glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.